Good morning. Good morning. It is good to have this number out with us for our morning half of our worship service, and definitely thankful for those who have returned back to us and those who have who have been ill and missed out and those visiting. We're all thankful to have each and every one of y'all with us. So this morning, I want to think about something that which it should be fresh into our minds in our everyday walk of life. First off, we need to remember the sacrifice that God gave for us, His Son. We need to recognize how uh, precious that sacrifice is. We have, as we had made mention this morning in Bible class about instructions and warnings. Well, this morning, I unfortunately have to focus on some warnings because it's, it's, it's part of our duty as Christians to realize the warnings from God. But in those warnings come from comes blessings. It's like, what? What do you mean? Whenever you get a warning, you get a blessing. Yes, you most certainly do. Uh, the example that I that I use, I've used before, uh, a child being grounded or, or punished by a parent. I use myself as an example of being a mom told me you can't do this and you have to stay. You can't go out. So, okay, so I can't go out. I don't have the permission to leave. I'm grounded, so to speak. So in that is a blessing. I'm pleasing to her if I do what I tell her to do. Right. On the other end of that spectrum, well, something myself never did, sneaking out. Right, doing something that's not pleasing to a parent, child being grounded, and said, I'm going to do what I want to anyway. Hmm. That's applicable to our everyday walk of life. Whether we choose to do the things God tells us to do, or we sneak out, so to speak, we're not going to sneak on God. God sees what we do. As we made mention a few weeks ago about being hidden from the veil of Christ's blood. And that's another wonderful blessing that we have in, in Christ to be our lives to be hidden with Christ in God. So we think about a greater condemnation. We think about something that's, if, if you will, staring a Christian right in the face. Turn with me to Ephesians chapter 2. We're going to start there in, in the first verse and we're going to move on just a little bit. But it's, it's staring us in the face. And we can't be ignorant to it because we once were lost. We once walked in that sinful place. And as a child of God, we gave those things up. We, we're, we're, we're standing with God now. That we're, Our motivation is to please God, not to sneak out, if you will, or do the things God tells us not to do. Or don't do the thing until God tells us to do. It's both ends of the spectrum. And as we've opened up to Ephesians chapter 2, begin reading with me in the first verse. And you he made alive who were dead in trespasses and sins. Let's just stop right there. Paul's writing to the church and he's getting personal. And he said, and you. He's pointing finger, right? He's, he's, he's pointing finger at Jeremy saying, you was once dead in your trespasses and sins. Yeah, I can't agree to that. I once was. Each and every one of us as Christians once were dead in our trespasses and sins. Again, in our Bible class this morning, Isaiah 59, 1 and 2. Remember those two verses? I drew those in because they're important. God's able to save us. The choices that we make to tell Him we don't want to save Him. And we tie His hands. The reason why I say we tie His hands is because we want nothing to do with it. He's unable to save those souls who are unable to come to Him. 
or choose not to come to it. We were once dead in our trespasses and sins. That means something happened. No longer lost, now saved. Huh. So, so something had to happen in our everyday walk of life as, as a Christian, as, as a child of God. Recognizing that precious sacrifice of our Lord and Savior upon that cross. Recognizing a condemning pathway that leads to death of following Satan. Full of iniquities, full of sins, once dead and trespasses. We're supposed to have given those things up. Now we're an instrument of righteousness, or we're supposed to be. We're supposed to be following the instructions from God, imitating Christ. Just as Paul says, imitate me just as I also imitate Christ. Paul tells us we can do it if we so choose to. Oh, choice. You ever, you ever had to make a tough choice? I've had to make tough choices before. I think... I think the toughest choice in my, myself and my sisters, and of course at the time my dad's life, was telling him to take mom off the life support. Toughest decision I've ever had to make. There's another tough decision that we have to make on a daily basis. Right? We have to make the decision to obey a heavenly father. Because if we don't, it results in death. It does. For the scriptures tell us the wages of sin is death. Is it not? So as we follow a heavenly father who wants to save us, he allows the opportunity and the access to be saved on judgment day. We tell him, yes, I want to obey you. We're no longer dead in our trespasses and sins. We're now alive in verse 1. And you he made alive who were dead in trespasses and sins. But then the ignorance comes to mind. So, well, you know, it's I don't understand it. Yes, you do in verse 2. And once you once walked according to the course of this world, according to the prince of the power of the air, the spirit who now works in the sons of disobedience. You were once walking with Satan, coming to the realization of what the gospel has to offer you, knowing right and wrong what God would tell you to do, and being responsible for that action, and you said, no. I'm going to go lie, cheat, steal, have, have adultery, just sin in general. I'm going to do those things. Even though God tells me I can't, you're walking with Satan. Period. The spirit who now works in the sons or children of disobedience. You know what the result? I'm, I'm, I'm not going to say benefit. I'm going to say reward. You know what the reward of being a son or a child of disobedience is? We find that in Colossians chapter 3. It's the wrath of God. We can see biblical examples of the wrath of God. And I know, I know there's sayings out there that God is a loving God. He most certainly is. Our Father, our Heavenly Father, loves us enough to give a portion of Himself to take on something that He hates for us an opportunity of salvation. But then those individuals who spit up on his face, slap in the face, nail his son back on that cross as we revert back to our sins and our focus this morning, we count his blood a common thing. We put him to an open chain. That is, as we have tasted the good graces of God, as we're going to revert, as we're going to be realized in Hebrews, it's, it's, that's the greater condemnation. 
You might say, well, that greater condemnation is just like turn the fire up. It's just going, that's not what that says. That's not what that means. What that, mean, that, what that means and, and teaches us as children of God and those who are lost who need to come to Christ is if you are in that lake of fire, if you are in hell fire, I'm going to say it, if you are in hell fire, the presence of God is not there. Folks, we can look around and we can see the, the, the providential care of God. You woke up this morning and God was taking care of you. You might say, well, I don't know, went through hardships. I don't even see God abiding in my life. You had enough breath in your life to say that statement. You think God is taking care of you? How many of us froze to death this morning or burned up to death because the earth has gone too far away or too close to the sun? Still there, right? Life every single day until Christ comes back. If you're doing it right now, you don't even realize it. Until I do this, God's taking care of you. He gave you life this morning. Did He not? He gave you an opportunity. An opportunity to choose to serve Him. Not Satan. Because when we're serving Satan, we're telling God, I don't care what your sacrifice says. I, I don't care what you've done. And this is the being that's created everything. This is the being, I'm going to say being because God's not a person. This is the being that created Lucifer, an angel, fallen angel, right? We call him the devil. The person who the mass majority of people here upon this earth follow. And I said, wait a minute, so you mean to tell me God created Satan? He did. In our studies in angels, angels have free moral agents. They have the opportunity to choose their path. God tells them what they're supposed to do, but guess what? They don't have to do it. As we learn from the life of Lucifer. Because what happened? He didn't follow God. He wanted to be equal to God. He didn't want to be over God. And there was a great rebellion, and there was angels that go with him as they were all cast out. Never to come to heaven again. That's that spirit of iniquity. That spirit of darkness that works in the sons and children of disobedience. So we understand what God has done for us, right? And if you don't, this is what He's done for you. God hates sin. Old Testament tells us that God hates it. You might say, well, God doesn't hate it. He hates sin. He despises it. Why does He hate sin so much? Because sin is so much fun, pleasing, alluring. That's Satan working in your mind. That's Satan pulling the prod you, pulling you away from God to say, eh, it's not that bad. Oh, it is bad. Why is it so bad? A portion of God had to take on that thing that he hates. When the skies were darkened for six hours as Christ was on that cross, he took your sins up. He took them up. He took on the sins of those in the past. He took on the sins of the present as he's on that cross. And he took on the sins of those in the future even unto this day. And up until the end of this world. He took those sins on that they might Oh, there's that word, indoors choice, right? Might be saved. I know the world loves John 3.16. I know this. I love John 3.16. But I know the true depth meaning of John 3.16. Because you have to couple with 3.17, right? John 3.17 says this what? For God did not send His Son into the world to condemn it. What? What do you mean He didn't send His, world, his Son into the world to condemn it? No, He sent it that... 
that the world through him might be saved. It's choice on our everyday walk of life to follow a heavenly father that wishes us. It's his will for us to come to repentance and follow him. For as he sent his son to follow those instructions that he gave him to show us how to live. We were once dead in our trespasses and sins as children of God, but now we've been made alive. Even though we were dead in our trespasses and sins, God allows an opportunity. He loves us enough to allow an opportunity to come back to him. Luke chapter 11 and verse 24. 25 and 26. As Christ teaches a, a wonderful lesson, as we were once dead in our trespasses and sins, now he's, we're alive, no longer dead, right? The scriptures also tell us that we can lose our salvation. It's very plain, it's very clear to know that we can lose it. It's very plain. As we come to the end of this lesson, it's going to be very clear that we can lose our salvation. So here's Christ is teaching about an unclean spirit, right? Well, this unclean spirit is our habits. The way that we conduct ourselves, the, the, the things that we choose to do. That's, this parable is what he's teaching. All right, verse 24 of Luke chapter 11. When an unclean spirit goes out of a man, he goes through dry places seeking rest and finding none. He says, I will return to my house from which I came. Wait a minute. How, what are you talking about? This is talking about a, a person. This is exactly what this is talking about. It's talking about an unclean spirit. Yeah, it's your bad habits. It's your motivations. It's your heart. When you become a child of God, when you're no longer dead in trespasses and sin, now you're made alive, you've cast out those evil things. You've cast off that evil spirit, that spirit of uncleanliness, of the, the disobedient work. We cast those things out as children of God. That's no longer our motivations to go live however we want to. Now it is our motivations as a child of God to live unto God, to live in Christ, to be that Christian that we should be. That's the spirit leaving. So as that spirit leaves out, finds dry places and nowhere to rest, and then verse, verse, end of verse 24, I will return to my house from which I came. This is someone reverting, giving up on their Christianity, turning their backs on God, and start walking with Satan. They become a child of disobedience at this point. When those evil intentions come back, so as we purge those things out, we need to keep them out. Christ is continuing teaching. And when he comes, he finds it swept and put in order. Changed, right? Motivations is right. They forgot to do one thing. They forgot to do what they forgot to put God into their hearts. It's empty. It's welcoming. Have you ever uh, moved into a new house, a new apartment, new, a, a new dwelling? Anybody? Did you ever walk into that house and it was completely filthy? This is where I'm going to live. Does that, has that crossed your mind? But you walk into this house, it's clean, nice, neat, all the, everything's in place, in order, and it's just enticing, right? You walk in and say, yeah, this is where I'm going to live. Which is better? The clean and the open one, right? The one that's all in order and nice in its place. The absence of God in our hearts to know what we're supposed to do to receive the gospel and forget to put God into our hearts. That is, believe. 
Whoa, 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 wait, hold on a second. You mean to tell me belief is an action? <laughs> That's exactly what I'm telling you. If you believe in Christ, you're going to live out your life as Christ. You're not going to sit on your hands. You're not going to be doing nothing. It's like putting that basket over your life, right? That example of covering up. I don't want nobody to know I'm a Christian. Which was applicable so much more in the day that Luke was writing this. When so much persecution was happening in the church. So we see an emptiness, the absence of God, an unclean spirit, those bad habits, those old wants and wishes and intuitions, the sinful, sinful acts, they come back. Oh, but wait a minute, it's, it's worse in verse 26. Because you now, you, in verse 24, you know what you're supposed to do, turn away from those things. And 25, it's, it's an absence of God, know what you're supposed to do, and don't do those things in verse 26. Then he goes and takes with him seven. Seven other spirits more wicked than himself. They enter and dwell there. And the last state of that man is worse than the first. And here's your greater condemnation. In the absence of knowing what you're supposed to do, understanding what God would have you do, and don't do them, the refusal to obey God, to put those actions into your life, those old habits come back, because you knew what you were supposed to do. Could you imagine standing before God in judgment, saying, why didn't you do those things? Why didn't you stay away from iniquity? Why did you let Satan enter back in? Can you give a good, feasible answer? No. No, you can't. Because that day... Of judgment is not an opportunity of repentance. It's an opportunity. It's the time and place of judgment of the things we have done, whether good or bad. It's my prayer for us to be in the good on that great day. So we see the, the outcome, right? Hearing what God would have you to do, knowing what God would have you to do, in the absence of what God would have you to do, and then worse off than the, than the beginning. Now we're going to look after tasting the good graces, becoming that Christian, and being faithful for a year, two, three, four, and still alive after five, six, seven, eight, nine, and unto death, right? And just giving up. Oh, giving up is such a worse thing to do because Hebrews chapter 10, verse 26. Starting in verse 26. Hebrews 10, verse 26. Keep in mind, this is wrote to Christians. This is the, the we here. It's Christians. Hebrews 10, verse 26. Listen to what the writer says. For if we sin willfully after we have received the knowledge of the truth, there no longer remains a sacrifice for sins. Did you hear what the writer of Hebrews just said in verse 26? Well, let me ask you this. How many of us are thankful that Christ went to the cross? Right? We're thankful that for that instance. We're, we're, a, we're supposed to be appreciative of that, right? Well, I know folks who don't understand Christianity, folks who don't understand spirituality, they say, why would you, why would you celebrate a death? You know, why would you celebrate? You should, you should celebrate the life, right? The life would be more important than the death, not when it comes to our Lord and Savior. Yes, he had to come, as we made mention in this Bible class. The blood had to be made for it to be shed, and it had to be shed upon that cross. That's why Christ's death is more important, more important than his life, than his birth, excuse me, than his birth. 
because His death extends to you and I. His life is our example. Of course, without birth, you can't have life. So we need to focus on something very important right here. His death and that sacrifice. It covers your sins when you repent of that sin. As we learn in 1 John chapter 1, verse 7, the blood of Christ cleanses us from all sin. That is Christians. Keep in mind, this is written to Christians. This is not written to every living person out there in the world. For if we sin willfully after we have received the knowledge of the truth. What's the knowledge of the truth? The word, instructions, our warnings, our, our pathway to salvation, the things God tells us that we have to do and we can't do. That's what the knowledge is of the truth. There no longer remains a sacrifice for sins. That's scary. That's terrifying, is it not? For if we sin willfully, that is, knowing what you're not supposed to do, and do it. Go back to my example of myself being grounded and not having the permission to go out. Well, I can still choose. I still have legs and arms and a brain. I can still make my way out the door without mom knowing it. Yeah, right. Without her knowing it. I can still make the action though, right? But what happens when I come back? Daddy's going to be waiting at the door, right? This is going to be bad. That's, you're right, Brother Mark. I'm going to have to answer because it's going to be worse. Like that man who went and referred back to his sinful state after receiving the knowledge of the truth and the actions of putting God. This is put God into action in your lives and quit. If we sin willfully, willfully is I know what I'm supposed to do and I don't do it. Or I know what I'm not supposed to do and I do it anyway. That's what, will, that's what willfully is. Excuse me. Not a sacrifice for sins in verse 27, but a certain fearful expectation of judgment and fiery indignations which will devour the adversaries. Y'all remember adversaries, right? Checkers, chess, an adversary. It's your opponent. So you mean to tell me that sinning willfully removes me from the sacrifice that God gave for me through His Son and I become God's adversary? We just read it. It wasn't my words. That's God's words. Of how much of anyone who has rejected Moses' law in verse 28 dies without mercy on the testimony of two or three witnesses. We made that example this morning in Bible class. Of how much worse punishment do you suppose will be he thought worthy who has trampled the Son of God underfoot, <coughs> counted the blood of the covenant by which he was sanctified a common thing, and insulted the Spirit of grace. That's what we do when we hear what God would have us to do and we don't do it. When we refuse His Son, that's, that's how we show His appreciation, by insulting His Spirit. By counting His blood a common thing. I, I, this, is, this is the example that I use as using blood as a common thing. It's both liquid, right? Gas is kind of expensive, is it not? It's kind of expensive. Diesel fuel, anything to make you go, right? The thing you get from the pump. You ever take it off and go, go back onto the bread and it goes drip, 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 drip. You ever have that happen? How much do you count that? It's just it's nothing, right? It's 
Just a common thing. That's how we count Christ's blood when we refuse His Son, we refuse His instructions, and we cast Him out. It's a common thing. It's not. It's the most precious thing. The most valuable thing that's ever been upon this earth was Christ's blood. How about this insulting the Spirit of grace? That, that's, I don't have words for that. I don't have words for insulting God. And this again is becoming a Christian and giving up. Because if we don't give up, if we don't give up, what's, promises in, what's promised in Revelation 2, 10, and 11? Crown of life and not be hurt by the second death in verse 11. So be persistent. Be faithful. Do what God tells you to do. In its totality, not picking and choosing, not lukewarm. I'm on fire today and I'm off, I'm off, I'm off over here. That's not what he's saying. That is not what he's saying. He's saying be faithful unto death in Revelation 2.10. <clears throat> For we know him who said, Vengeance is mine. I will repay, says the Lord. And again, the Lord will judge his people. And in verse 31. For it's a fearful thing to fall into the hands of the living God. Standing before him, unjustified or not one of his children, how afraid would you be at that point? Knowing that hell exists and heaven exists and you're going to have to go to that lake of fire because heaven is not your destination because you have done the things God told you not to do. You have sinned and yet to come to repentance, which brings me to the end of this lesson. What a wonderful blessing as children of God that we have. An opportunity of repentance and getting right in the eyes of God and beginning our spiritual walk yet again being faithful in the eyes of God because if that sacrifice doesn't exist, you're condemned. Don't be condemned. Repent of those things that separate you from God. Be that faithful child of God that you should be, respecting His authority, having reverence for Him, and accepting His Son in your everyday walk of life. Not reverting back to sinfulness, keeping those evil spirits out, because He has made us alive because we were once dead in our trespasses and sins. Why would we make the choice to revert back? Because of the old adversary. Oh, Satan. He's powerful. He's a very powerful adversary. Sometimes he overcomes. And we need a way out. Well, this morning I extend an invitation to get right in the eyes of God, whether through baptism, through repentance, through confession, or do you need prayers of the church? Why don't we do so as we stand as we sing the song of invitation?